You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. I, find my, I found myself in the valley of the shadow of death in 2005 as a freshman in high school And I was dealing with all of the normal things that a freshman in high school would deal with, with puberty and friends and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, But it wasn't that. The world was also not a walk in the park in the 2000s, if you remember. Uh, There was still the chaos from Y2K, 9-11, and all of the craziness in culture. But it wasn't that. My family was in the darkest point that it had ever been. Uh, My parents had been separated for about a year. It's a long story to get to this place, but uh, my dad lived across town, and the three kids lived with my mom. And uh, my dad was struggling with a deep depression at the time, and he had been prescribed a new set of medication and if you know anything about mental health and, and you know, prescription, antidepressants, it's not always an exact science. And uh, this one night, as he was on his new medication, uh, he sent my mom an email, which was effectively a suicide note. Uh, it was profusely apologizing for all the hurt to our family, uh, saying, sorry, sorry, you know, things like, I just know everyone would be better off without me, and it ended with a line, something to the effect of, take care of my dog when I'm gone. And uh, that threw my mom into a panic and hysteria, and she called my older brother, and he came home right away, and uh, my little sister, who was four years old at the time, uh, she was already in bed, and uh, my older brother and my mom left the house, and I was there sitting at the computer desk. And before my mom left, she opened the Bible, the Psalm 23, she set it down in front of me, and she said, read this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For the next few hours... I prayed through Psalm 23, through you know, what I could read through the tears and cried and prayed and read and read and reread until finally uh, my mom and my brother came home. They told me that my dad was okay, he was in a stable position, and I collapsed into bed. And if you know anything about my family, maybe some of you have met some of my family members, you would never guess this. Uh, God has done an amazing work of redemption in the life of my father, my mom and dad, they reconciled, and it's just you know, all glory to God for that. And yet, I understand not every story has that kind of immediate happy ending. 
Many of you have lived in the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, maybe some of you this morning are there right now, and you can't see a way out of it. All of us must wrestle through this question, what do I do in the valley? What do I do in the valley? How do we navigate the suffering, the trials, and the pain of life? And maybe for you, you know, you look at the world right now and you think the, wor- the world is in a valley. You look at the war and you look at pandemic and you look at the mental health of so many people struggling, chaos. Or maybe for you personally, you're just, relationships are struggling in your life. Finances, health problems, suffering, pain, loneliness, and all the rest. I pray that today is a word of comfort and hope for you, that Jesus does make a difference and he does lead us through the valley. But I also hope that you would, uh, that you would see some practical wisdom that would help us navigate the valley. We're gonna be going on a journey through Psalm 23, if you wanna open your Bible to Psalm 23, Psalms right in the middle of the Bible. And I say a journey because it is a journey. Maybe you're familiar with Psalm 23, It's one of the most popular psalms. It's actually one of the most popular chapters in the whole Bible. A Bible gateway recorded. It's frequently in the top 10 most searched for Bible passages is Psalm 23. It's because people are looking for hope and wisdom for navigating difficult times. Uh, But the psalm is a journey. If you're taking notes, we're gonna be looking at five different locations that David, the author of this psalm, brings us through. Let's start off in the first few verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The first location is the pasture. They say that, you know, good milk comes from happy cows. Happy cows come from California. This is a picture of a pasture. I didn't take this picture, but it's from Spain. Apparently, happy sheep live in Spain. But that is a, that is a, a beautiful picture, is it not, right? It's, you have sheep, this open field, the still water, the sunshine, the blue sky. The pasture is a place of contentment, a place of peace, a place of comfort, a place of rest, and a place of ultimate refreshment for our souls. Philip Keller Uh, was a shepherd in both Africa and North America, and also a pastor. And uh, he wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and he records there are four things that if a sheep is gonna lie down, it needs to meet these four prerequisites. The sheep need to be free from fear. There's no like wolves going around the edges. It needs to be free uh, from conflict with other sheep. Can't be any little squabbles amongst the flock. It needs to be free from flies and other pests that would kind of irritate and bug it. And it needs to be free from hunger, well-fed, nice and full. So what that tells us is in the pasture, it's a place where life is really good, where God is meeting your emotional needs, your physical needs, even your social needs. You have friends, you have, you're enjoying your life. You know, what did you get up to this weekend? I can't wait to tell you, it's so good, and the restaurant, and you know, everything is going well in the pasture. 
two cautions. Maybe some of you are in the pasture right now, and I, and I hope to not rain on your parade, but two cautions when we find ourselves in the pasture. Number one, don't wander off. Don't wander off. Uh, in the song, Come Thou Fount, it says, you know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Isaiah 53, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. And it's actually in the good times when our external circumstances are going well that we are especially prone to wander. I mean, look at this patch of grass over here, and we actually lose sight of the shepherd. I mean, consider this question. If life is good, what do you need God for? What do I need the shepherd for? There's plenty of grass over here. There's plenty of water over here. And we actually lose sight. I believe the times when we are most in danger in our faith are times when life is really going quite well. And these are times where we need to be careful not to allow idols to creep in to our lives. Idols like success, comfort, money, beauty, good looks, all of the rest, right? We need, we need to be careful in the pasture not to allow other things to become our God, other things to be the thing that we worship. And in fact, even in the pasture, we need to remember that ultimately our rest is not found in the field, it's actually found in the shepherd. Consider Jesus' teaching on rest to the weary and the heavy laden. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so it's so essential, if, you are, if you're in a place right now where you're in the pasture, to continually return to Jesus as your ultimate source of rest. And the good news of that is if you learn to do that, even in the green pasture, you can access the green grass and the still waters regardless of what your external situation looks like. Do you realize this? If your true, the refreshment that your soul craves and desires, if it's found in the shepherd and not in your physical location, not in your external circumstances, if, that, if he is where your true rest is found and you have him, in the valley, then you can actually access this place of rest and refreshment regardless of if times are good or if times are difficult. So don't wander off. Don't stray too far from the shepherd. The second caution in the pasture is don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. If we measure our lives and the goodness of God by how good our situation is, then that's a foundation that is incredibly shakable. It's any moment, any disaster, any crisis away from completely crumbling and falling down around us. Because while Psalm 23 starts in the pasture, the sheep don't stay in the pasture, do they? Let's continue. In Psalm 23, the second half of verse three, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you're taking notes, the next location is the path. The path. The sheep are on the move. 
The path is a place of movement, it's a place of direction, and it's a place of following. The shepherd does not leave the sheep indefinitely in the pasture. The shepherd says, it's time to go. And in our lives, if, if we think that God wants us to perpetually stay in the pasture, the moment that he tries to call us to something, the moment that he tries to motivate us to, to the difficulty that he has for us, the moment that he tries to bring us on mission, what does Jesus say? His parting words to the disciples, go. Not stay, go, get up, go into all the world and make disciples. Spread the good news. God is on the move and he invites us to be on the move with him. So how do the sheep know the right path, right? A path of righteousness, yes, you know, moral righteousness, but also just the right way, the right direction to live our lives. How do we know that? We listen to the shepherd. He determines the direction. Uh, Jesus, in a famous teaching uh, where he calls himself the good shepherd in John 10, has this to say. When he has brought all of his, out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. This is a picture of Jesus leading the way and us following him. And the reality is the right way to live, the path of righteousness that God has for us is rarely the easy way. And if th- this is why it's so important not to get too attached, not to get too comfortable. Yes, the, the green grass and the still waters, that's a beautiful place to be in life. Don't get too comfortable there because Jesus is trying to call us and lead us and have us walk in the good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. He likened following him as taking up a cross and denying ourselves and following him. Or in another teaching by Jesus on a path, he says there's actually two paths. One is very wide and very easy. And everyone seems to be going on that path in life. And another path in Matthew 7, 14, he says this, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. That doesn't sound so nice. That leads to life. And those are few who find it. The moment we start following Jesus, he doesn't promise us comfort. He doesn't promise us this perpetual green grass and still waters. He promises to restore our souls and replenish us and, and, and for our joy to overflow, but he doesn't promise us ease. In fact, he promises the opposite in this world. To quote Jesus, you will have trial. He's gonna call us to difficulty. I mean, not just allow us to enter into difficult situations. You realize God is going to call you to lead you into difficult places in this life. He says the the way is narrow and the way is hard, it's difficult. The moment you begin to follow Jesus, seriously follow him in your life, you're gonna face resistance. Maybe spiritual resistance, you're gonna face resistance from the culture that we live in, you're gonna face resistance from peer pressure, from uh, coworkers who just don't get it, you're gonna face the resistance of just the general difficulty of living the path of righteousness. You're gonna face difficulty and trial. But here's the good news. As easy and as wide as that wide path is, you know, as, as, as smooth as the asphalt is on that, right? And as many people are going that direction, the destination ultimately leads to destruction. And what good is the journey, how easy the journey is, if it doesn't lead you to the right place? 
And Jesus actually knows that the, the difficult path, the road less traveled, is the only one that leads to life, to fulfillment, to joy everlasting. Here's something that you can uh, take with you to give you comfort when Jesus calls you out of the pasture along the path. God knows where he is going. Do you realize that? The sheep have no idea where they're going. They would wander off if not for the shepherd. And when Jesus calls us and when the Holy Spirit day by day, do you realize it's called walking by the Holy Spirit for a reason? Where you walk, you listen to God day by day in your life. You know the voice of Jesus and he's leading you every single day, even into difficulty, even into sacrifice. There's a cost associated with our calling to follow Christ. Here's what you can be assured of. God knows where he's going. He knows exactly where he's going. And you might be looking at the other sheep. You're like, does Jesus really know where he's going? He knows where he's going. He knows better than you. And, and don't measure it by, well, the path is difficult. He must not know where he's going. You need to take the idol of comfort and shatter it on the ground and understand God knows where he is going, even if it's uncomfortable for you. What does that mean? That means you can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. It's gonna be, the journey may be difficult, but the destination is eternal life. That's the second location. Let's look at the next one. Where does this road lead us? Psalm 23, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The third location we see is the valley. It's the valley. Gone is the sun, the green grass. The valley is a place of scarcity. It's a place of danger. You don't know what's behind the rocks. It could be robbers, thieves, wild animals. It's a place of unknown. It's uncharted territory. You might feel like I've never been in a place like this. Ultimately, the valley is a place of pain. And while the valley is uncharted territory for us, it is not uncharted territory for the shepherd. And what can bring us comfort in the valley is to know that God actually uses these times. Do you realize that God uses pain and suffering and trials in our lives? The pain does not go to waste. Uh, the apostle Peter likens it to a fire that refines a precious metal and actually uh, gets rid of all the impurities, that we can actually be closer to God, stronger in our faith on the other side of the valleys that God brings us into. Crisis is followed by renewal and rejuvenation. And so uh, in, in our faith, I like to talk about our faith like a journey and you know, maturity being where God is trying to call us to, we cannot get to maturity without what I like to call faith-stretching opportunities. It's a nice way to say it. A face-stretching opportunity is an opportunity where there's cost, where there's, it's a pain point, it's difficult. You have an option. Are you going to run or are you going to follow? Are you going to submit? And suffering, the valley, is one of the main kind of face-stretching opportunity that God has for us. It's not fun, but God is using it. He's refining your faith like gold is refined by fire. And here, here's what we learn in the valley, that the most important thing we have 
is the shepherd himself. Here's what God gives us. God gives us presence, not pain relievers. He gives us his presence. He doesn't give us some kind of heavenly morphine or at least extra strength Tylenol, right? Like <laughs> something. And, and we're so accustomed, not, this is a metaphor, right? Not, nothing against you know, modern medicine or any of that sort of stuff. But we're so accustomed to, I feel pain, pain is not good, I need to, to numb it somehow, that the moment God allows us or even walks us into a place of pain and suffering, we want that heavenly extra strength Tylenol. Just spare me from the trial. There's gotta be a shortcut around the valley. And the shepherd says, if you're going to follow me, you're gonna follow me into the valley. So what, is, what does God give us? He does not spare us from the valley. He walks with us through it. He's there with us. And, and, and we don't walk alone. That's the greatest source of comfort and hope. We don't walk alone. And the moment that we encounter one of the dangers, the moment that we encounter that, that wild animal, that, that thief or that robber, that what we learn in the valley is not to run away from the flock and desert the shepherd and be on our own to face that danger ourselves. It actually teaches us to fully rely with a heart posture of desperation on the shepherd. I need you, oh, how I need you, God. Why do we fear no evil? He's equipped, he's got some tools of the trade, the rod and the staff. The rod, a short, you know, a shortened, kind of like a, a baseball bat, think, right? If a, if a wolf gets too close, if danger gets too close, you better believe the shepherd knows how to use that. He's got the staff, it's maybe a longer stick, Maybe a little bit of discipline of the sheep, maybe he uses it for that, I don't know. But, but to help the sheep, you know, you're going up a rocky cleft and you'll see a shepherd kind of using that, that staff to like help the sheep overcome trial, overcome adversity. Do you realize Jesus is not just the shepherd, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah? I mean, what enemy stands a chance against our great God? That's who we have leading us. You better believe we need to stay close to the presence of God, especially when we are in the valley. And so while God doesn't spare us from the valley, he also doesn't leave us there. Isn't that good news? Psalm 23 does not end in verse four. There's two more locations. Psalm 23, verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. David drops the sheep metaphor here. I've never seen a sheep eat from a table. If it did, it would be in big trouble. <laughs> the table is the fourth location that God leads us into. The table is a place of provision. It's a place of relationship. It's a place of gladness. It's a place of bounty. It's a place of blessing. And this is, a, this is a promise that God will bring you out of the valley one day, in this age or in the age to come. And God will provide for our every need as we seek first his kingdom, as we stay close to the good shepherd. That's a promise from Jesus. 
What do we have to be worried about? What do we have to be anxious about? God will provide our every need as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. When we desert, when, we go to, when we're in these moments and we run away from the shepherd, there's not a promise that he's gonna provide for our every need if we're trying to provide for those things on our own. But when we stay close to him, he leads us eventually to the table. Uh, I love this picture of he anoints our head with oil. We've talked about anointing oil as you know, something that you would do to assign someone to a, a position. King David, his own head was anointed by Samuel to show that he would be the next king. Uh, I don't believe it's that kind of anointing that he's talking about here. I think it's more of an anointing which was a custom when someone would enter your house for a feast. You see this in Luke chapter seven. The sinful woman, Jesus is at Simon the Pharisee's house. Uh, he walks in and uh, you know, it's this really prestigious situation and the woman comes in and she anoints his feet with this really expensive oil. And then Jesus, when he rebukes Simon, this super religious guy for rebuking her, you remember what he says to Simon? You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet. So this is this customary sign of favor and honor and blessing. You heard of the oil of gladness? I think about Jesus in Matthew 25, that line, for those who have been faithful, the servants who have been faithful, or another way to say, the sheep who have stayed close to the shepherd, who've stayed on the path of righteousness, who have endured to the very end. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you remember the second part? Enter into the joy of your master. That's the table. That's the table. It's this place of joy. It's, it, it's, it's where the paths of righteousness are leading us. And one of the most beautiful things about the table is beyond you know, the good food and the drink, it's actually the fellowship. I mean, since ancient times, sharing a meal with someone is a sign of deep relationship and community. And so we have this fellowship with God. It's the best part, I believe, about the gospel. First John chapter one, verse three, the apostle John writes this, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So there's this fellowship, there's a seat at the table. There's, there's no closer relationship that you can have with someone than having gone through hell and back with them. Have you experienced this? There's no closer relationship that you can form than that has been forged by trial and suffering. And that is just as true with our relationship with God as it is with people. And when we have endured with Christ through the valley, we have this deep communion and community and fellowship with God the Father and also the table is not a two-person table in the corner of a Starbucks. It's a banquet table. There's so many seats. You can't hardly see the end of it. And so we have a seat at the table, yes, with God himself, but also with one another. We have a table where you can enjoy fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And then that table is in our fifth location, we see in the very last verse in Psalm 23, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. If you're taking notes, you can write down the word house. It's where it's, where it's all leading. It's the house. The house is a place of safety. It's a place of rest. It's a place where you take your shoes off at the door, kick up your feet. It's also a place of worship, and it's, it's ultimately there to give us hope. This idea of worship, uh, for a long time, we've talked about you know, the, the temple or, or place, you know, like a church building like this. Another way of referring to these places of worship God, worshiping God is the house of God, right? Uh, I think about another Psalm of David, Psalm 27, verse four. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One of the things that I often see people do when they're going through difficulty is they'll kind of feel like, I don't know, I don't know if this is an American thing, American church thing, or I don't know if this is just, people do this sometimes, but man, I, I need to wait until I get my life back together and then I'll come back to church. You take a break from church. I need to avoid the house of the Lord uh, and I'll kind, of, I'll kind of figure it out on my own. I don't, maybe it's an American independence you know, hyper-individualistic society type thing, or, or maybe people do this all around the world, but I see this happen sometimes. And we'll get the occasional, you know, prayer request, and then just someone will just be totally absent, though, for, for months, sometimes even years at a time. And you're missing out. You are missing out on one of the greatest sources of comfort and hope and peace and assurance one thing I have asked, and this I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of God. Do you crave that? Do you desire that? The presence of Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your daily life, that's what gets us through the valley. Do you realize this? That's what gets you through And And I know that following God is so much more than showing up for an hour and 10 minutes on a Sunday morning and, you know, the songs and the sermon. It's more than that, but it's also not less than that. And we need to not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, not just because you're losing your heavenly, you know, gold stars. It's because you need it. We crave it. We were designed to be in God's house, to gaze upon his beauty and to spend time worshiping God. Worship is a weapon against the schemes of the enemy. And if that's what we will be doing, if that's where the road is heading, we cannot miss out on those glimpses that we get of God day to day and week to week. We need the church, especially in hard times. And even in the worst case scenario, what the house also teaches us, the house of God, I believe, yes, the house of the Lord refers to a place of worship. It's possible that Psalm 23 was a psalm of pilgrimage that Jews may have recited or sung on the road to Jerusalem to go and offer a sacrifice in Jerusalem at the temple. But what the house of the Lord also points to is it points forward. What if, and this is a very important question, what if I die in the valley? What if my valley is a health problem? What if my valley is cancer? What if my valley, what if in this present age, the worst case scenario, and the worst case scenario is death. What if I die? 
we have a beautiful hope that the shepherd never leaves us in the valley. Never. Look at the words of Jesus. This is a promise from John 14, two to three. This is on the eve. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's speaking to his disciples in the upper room. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back, I will come again, and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. The house of God forever is this beautiful, beautiful promise that Jesus will never leave us behind. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And we may experience that worst case scenario. In fact, if we don't see Jesus return in our present lifetime, then all of us will experience that. It's a certainty that we will die in this present age. We will die in the body, but there is a resurrection from the dead. I mean, you can listen to the sermon from last week you wanna explore more of what that looks like, the renewal of all things. But the beauty of the, the cross is that there's an Easter Sunday, there's a resurrection from the dead and that Jesus has conquered sin and death. He has the power and the authority. All power and authority has been given to him and he's coming back for us. And he is preparing a place for us. There's the house of God forever that we have the opportunity Come in. And if, if, if that doesn't give you hope, then I don't know what will. If that doesn't give you hope in the valleys that you face in this lifetime, then I don't know what will. Come what may, even death itself, Jesus has overcome death. Even warrior David was shepherd, you know, youngest brother, shepherd boy David. He knows a thing or two about sheep. And he starts Psalm 23 with this line, the Lord is my shepherd. This is like a deeply personal psalm. I just ask you this question, is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Psalm 23 is not a generic word of hope to every single person on planet Earth. It is a word of deep, profound comfort and hope for those whose shepherd is Jesus Christ. Jesus in John 10, the teaching on the good shepherd says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you're unsure of your answer to the question, is the Lord your shepherd, is the Lord my shepherd, this is how we know. The sheep hear the voice of Jesus and they don't harden their hearts. Their their souls are like the good soil. They're receptive to the gospel. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He has them numbered. And you follow him. The sheep follow him. Who you follow determines who your shepherd is. And so if you're here today and you're unsure, hear the voice of Jesus calling to you, asking you to respond to the gospel, to put your faith in him. It's more than just saying Jesus is Lord, it's living it. I mean, imagine a sheep that's in the pasture and the shepherd says, it's time to go. And the sheep says, you're still my shepherd, but I'm good. I'm good, I'm gonna stay here. Good luck out there on the road. Good luck out there on the path of righteousness that leads somewhere, that actually takes us somewhere. I'm good. Who you follow determines who your shepherd is. Do you hear the voice of God? Do you, do you obey the teachings of Jesus? Do you follow him? Now I have to be careful 
right? We're not saved by our works. We're not saved you know, by how good you live your life or even how close you follow Jesus. But you better believe that if we are his sheep, his sheep hear his voice. He knows us and we follow him. Jesus also teaches us this in John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't take us through the valley because he enjoys seeing us suffer. He doesn't take us on the narrow path because he thinks it's fun to see the ship, the sheep, you know, trip up over the bumpy road and oh, it's so narrow. He knows where he's going. He knows it's the only road that leads to life. And the good shepherd was willing to himself go into the valley of the shadow of death. The good shepherd was willing to suffer and die for the sake of the sheep, that he knew some of those sheep would spit at him and beat him and put a crown of thorns on his head and ultimately nail him to a cross where he would bleed and die for the sins of the world. That's the shepherd that we have. And that's what makes him good, is that he was forsaken for our sins. He traded his life in our place. And so if Jesus went to his own valley of the shadow of death for us and he overcame it three days later by the power of God, you better believe that he can help us, he can bring us out. In this age or in the age to come, he will bring us out of the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd will always come back for his sheep. I think about Luke chapter 15 where Jesus tells three parables about lost things and one of those lost things is a lost sheep. A sheep that's wandered off. Even though there's 99 other sheep, that's a pretty, 99%, think back to school. If you got a 99% on a test where you, it's like, it's a good grade, right? 99, you know? He's got 99 sheep and one is lost and he cares so much about that one that the shepherd says, you guys stay here, I'm gonna go find it. I'm gonna seek it out, I'm gonna pursue it. I'm gonna run after that lost sheep and maybe today is the day that God is calling you home and you hear the shepherd's voice. I wanna invite you to respond to the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus is the son of God. He died for your sins on the cross. He rose back to life and he can, he has the power and he promises to forgive your sins and lead your life. If you would put your full trust and faith in him, if you would establish him as your shepherd and promise to follow him all the days of your life. And I wanna invite you to receive the gospel through baptism. Baptism is this ceremony of commitment, saying yes to Jesus. Last Sunday, we had an opportunity to celebrate eight baptisms. Can we celebrate that once again? And I would invite you, if you've never been baptized, you can go to hillcityboise.org, you can watch our Baptism 101 video, you can, uh, you can sign up to get baptized on there and we would love to invite you. Today you can pray and ask God to forgive your sin and lead your life, but the way Jesus instructed us to respond in faith is by getting baptized and I, would, I wanna call you to follow the shepherd in that step. And I don't wanna miss this last point though. Here's the main point of Psalm 23 is when we follow God, his goodness follows us. Do you hear that promise? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And the word follow is kind of a weak word to use. The word is literally pursue or chase or run after. Instead of wolves running after us, instead of robbers, thieves, enemies running after us, 
God's goodness and his mercy is hunting us down in our lives. So we have the good shepherd in the front, calling us by name, leading us, giving us instruction. And then behind us, what do we have chasing us? His goodness and his mercy are never that far behind. God led the Israelites into the wilderness. They followed him into the wilderness. But they also saw his goodness and his mercy in miraculous water, miraculous manna, miraculous quail. God led Elijah to the, to the brook, right, east of the Jordan during a time of famine, during a time of difficulty and trial that Elijah was there for. And who was it that brought Elijah food and sustenance? It was God sent ravens. He experienced his goodness in the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit was the one who led Jesus into the desert for 40 days of fasting and prayer to face off with the enemy. And you remember what happened after that 40-day period? The angels were attending to his every need. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And the deeper into the valley we go, we are drawn forward. We are propelled forward by the voice of the good shepherd, and we are hunted down by his goodness and his mercy, which are behind us. Let's pray. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just do a deep work as our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, our healer today. Would you minister to our souls? God, in these times, in the valley of the shadow of death, would we not run from you? Would we run to you? Would we stay so close to your presence? We thank you that we can be in the house of the Lord today. We thank you that we can gaze upon your beauty all the days of our lives, both in this age and the age to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.